You're listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 111 of the Testudo Times podcast, where it turns out we were a UMBC show all along. Don't listen to any of the other shows. We were lying about to you. We were all on the UMBC retrievers, and we were right ahead of the curve. Right, Thomas? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, every, on... ever since ever since they were leading Maryland 24-18 at the half, I knew something was special about that group, and uh, nothing was wrong with Maryland. I did, too. I, I actually went back and listened to some of our old shows and said to... Uh, trying to listen to what we said about UMBC. Holy moly. <laughs> Who would have ever thought? Yeah, I mean, they lost to Albany by, what, 44 points or something this year? Yep. Yes, they did. This isn't Albany and lacrosse we're talking about. This is Albany and men's basketball. Yep. Was that not one of the most fun nights we've ever had on Twitter? Because Twitter's not good for much anymore. i got to be honest. It's, it's been a bit depressing to be on Twitter in the last year or so. Certainly depressing to be on it during Maryland games, but that was probably the most fun I've had on Twitter in a very long time. I wasn't actually on Twitter that night. I was out um, visiting a friend at Tech. I was actually at a Virginia Tech bar when that happened, and that was that. That was definitely an experience. Well, yeah, because they hate Virginia as much as some Maryland fans hate Virginia. No, they hate Virginia more. I would. I like. Would, I mean, we don't have really people that Virginia hate, Tech but... has this whole inferiority complex with UVA. Well, I think everybody because, does. Because so many of them, like, got rejected from UVA or so many of them chose one over the other and had to defend it. And so, you know, that whole thing happens. And then, yeah, there's – Wasn't that – To, oh, to that watch that happen later. there. That was the day later when Virginia Tech <laughs> lost to Alabama. Yeah. No, by the time I got there, they were already out and no one cared. Ah, except for when Virginia loses. Oh, yeah. Although Maryland fans were certainly enjoying it, too. I can't remember how many times that I saw tweets are like, hey, good thing a Maryland school beat Virginia and did that. Oh, yeah. Certainly Maryland fans were taking credit. Uh, Justin, how much did you enjoy uh, Friday night's uh, activities? So, funny story. The uh, hotel I was staying at in Raleigh only had TBS and CBS on its TV. So I had to stream. I streamed about the last 12 minutes because I said, you know, I can't. I can't miss the 16 beating the one. It was it was ridiculous. I did enjoy the Twitter. I did enjoy UMBC knocking down countless threes. It was it was it was pretty insane. It was pretty beautiful because again, I mean, they were beating Maryland at the half, but Maryland ended up winning the game by 21. So it's not as if UMBC was exactly shooting the lights out. You know, they weren't a great shooting team together, and they needed a buzzer-beating three just to make it to the tournament beating Vermont. That was a big enough deal in and of itself. I think the best part of Friday night for me was talking to a friend of mine who I am in bracket pools with him, and he's, he's in the sports media world somewhere off in the great white north, Minnesota. And he had been telling me and telling his friends for weeks, this is going to be the 16 beats of one. This is going to be your 16 beats of one. And I checked his bracket. He picked Texas Southern. So I'll give you half of the credit, bud. Right idea, wrong execution. Well, at least we can't. Being half right is better than being not right at all. Yeah, I do a bracket every year uh, with the random number generator, my calculator, using the odds from 538. And almost every year this bracket beats me, so I'm kind of curious to see what it comes up with. Um, and this year it had Penn over Kansas. 
because Kansas was 95% and punched in the numbers and you get 100. And so that's Penn. And so right idea again. Um, but instead it was a different 16 that did it. I, I don't think anyone thought UMBC had any chance. I mean, somebody picking Texas Southern to beat Xavier. No one thought Xavier was going to be any good. And we could get to other college basketball shenanigans later in the show. But I mean... I think the best part of Friday night, though, aside from me talking with my friend who had picked a 16 to beat a 1, UMBC Twitter, man. They, they were the true winners. They were the true heroes. We need a one shining moment montage, Justin, of just that Twitter account from that night because it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, the guy, I'm sure you saw, the, the guy who ran it didn't even know he was going to run it until a few hours before the game, and he just he took off. Those are some of the best tweets i've seen i mean for a uh, school that around here the old joke was you know umbc's a commuter school towson's the teacher's school and maryland was a school you just needed 2-0 to get in i mean they really took that underdog vibe and ran with it i i think jeff airman our friend inside md sports they're gonna commute so hard after this game <laughs> that was another great one there was some good twittering happening on uh, yeah. friday night which is rare because most times when you talk about that twitter shtick it can backfire so spectacular. I've seen it with hockey Twitter accounts mainly. And when you try that, it doesn't often work. And you got to be really good at it. And the best part is he wasn't trying, I don't think. He just had fun with it because it's a 16 over a 1. Who the hell knows? But that was a great Friday night. And it was way more enjoyable than it probably should have been. And then to watch that game on Sunday between UMBC and Kansas State, it was really ugly. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. That was one of the most fun times I've had watching the tournament and watching everyone's bracket explode was also great. Mine still has a little bit of a chance. We'll get to that later on. Let's talk about the Maryland women's team. Uh, the, the women's tournaments had some craziness too. I think Justin, we could get to that shortly, but let's talk with the yeah. women first beat Princeton pretty handily on Friday and then lost to NC state on Sunday, largely because a formal and mayor player killed them. That is not something that I was very surprised at because of the sports teams I root for. Normally it happens far more frequently, but we're Maryland uh, they played NC State decently close, but Aisha Small had an amazing game, and I guess we should have seen it coming because Formula Maryland players will always, I guess, do well when they play against Maryland. Yeah, it was one of those games where they got down early and you thought, you know, first quarter, early second quarter, this is going to be a blowout. But, you know, give credit to Maryland. They worked their way back and really attacked NC State's 6'5 center, Akila Mays, who I don't understand why you're 6'5 in the women's game and you try to flop every possession, but she tried to do that. Didn't really work. They get down one, and they cut it to one in the third, and then NC State just had one run to really pull away, got some stops, a turnover, hit a few threes, and you did get the transfer part right, got the name wrong. It was actually Kiara Leslie, who right. said last right. year yes, with, an, good point. With, with an ankle injury, was a North Carolina native. She played really well, not just, you know, scoring, you know, 21 points, 11 rebounds. He, the biggest part was her, you know, basically taking Kyla Charles out of that game. She finished with four points, fouled out. It was Maryland's leading score all year. And, you know, in the tournament, they give you – you basically sit courtside. So cause I'm sure you're familiar with where you sit. Yes. For, if you're I, at Maryland. I covered a Maryland women's tournament game before, and we sat right in front, like, yeah or it was awesome right down on so the floor you, so you could see like charles would get the ball and she just wouldn't look confident you know usually she's looking to attack as her first move because she's a leading scorer but she just didn't didn't look that way and couldn't really get anything to go just looked frustrated and 
on games like that, they needed people to step up. I mean, they got it some from Frazier at a nice game with 17. I mean, Aisha Small at 13, but not a great shooting night. They didn't get it consistently enough to, you know, move on and especially a tough road environment where they redid Reynolds Coliseum where the game was. It's about a 70-year-old building. Said there were only 2,700 people there. Didn't look like it. A lot more got pretty loud. So especially in that type of environment, they just needed to, you know, be a little a little better than they were, but, you know, no shame in the season they had. This is where I thought they'd be, you know, right around possibly getting the Sweet 16, even before Blair Watson went down. So no shame in how the season ended. Obviously, it's disappointing, but, you know, weren't a lot of huge expectations around this team this year. This game, when I now think about it, it reminds me a lot of Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game where Maryland started out really poorly, got sunk under in that big run in the second quarter, and then got it really, really close in a game that it looked like they'd have no business being close in until Ohio State pulled away at the end. Is that a comparison apt for you? A little bit. I think against Ohio State, Maryland played better in the first quarter, and then Ohio State really took off. This one was slow from the beginning. I think Maryland shot 20% in the first quarter, if I remember, and we're still only down seven. They kind of worked their way back in. They never got down as much early as they did against Ohio State, kind of hung around, and then the end, you know, NC State, the home crowd behind them really just pulled away. And once you, I think they were down like 14 or 16 headed into the fourth. And at that point, you kind of knew it wasn't it wasn't going to happen for them. They played good defense, though. They forced a lot of turnovers. NC State didn't shoot the ball particularly well. That's why they got back in close. It was a bit of a slugfest in yeah, the game overall. Yeah, NC State, I think I said this last week, they're more of a slow it down, you know really strong defensive team. There were some sloppy points. I think Maryland forced five straight turnovers at one point in the second. It was a stretch where they were suffocating them on defense, turnovers, fouls. It it looked like NC State had lost their way. And again, if Maryland has a little bit more depth, I think they probably take advantage of that more than they were able to. If one more point on that game, if you look at it, Maryland 0-4 on three, Kristen Confroy not able to get off a, (coughs) sorry, a shot. They had a, NC State had a player, Ace Koenig, just stuck on her the whole game, fought her around screens, fought her every time she moved on the court, couldn't get a shot off. And NC State, who is not a great three-point shooting team, hit 7 of 14, including some huge ones, you know, in the third quarter, some late in the fourth. So I think that was the big difference. And when you see that, it's kind of indicative of how tough it could be without, Watts, without you know, Blair Watson. Because before she went down, he had Confer as a really good shooter, Watson, a really good shooter as well, took some more. So you kind of had to pick your poison. And when, you know, Chris Anaki wasn't hitting threes and Lewis didn't really attack much, didn't get off her occasional three. If you took Confroy out, it's really hard for Maryland to, you know, play high and low in that offense. It seems like it, but it always seems like it doesn't matter what Maryland basketball team it is. Team who plays them always has really good luck from three, and Maryland does not. It always seems like it happens that way, in big games especially, and it happened here. Uh, Thomas, you wrote a great piece. It's on the website right now about the season and the recap of the season, and we've talked about this before. This being Maryland's down season, still being close enough to the Sweet 16, I mean, they could have been, what, 9 out of 13 years in the Sweet 16, and this is their down season? And it had basically everything had to go wrong for this to happen, yes? And instead, now you still look at this program and say, this was the blip and the upswing looks really promising next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how differently we end up viewing the season if either they get a four instead of a five. 
and then losing the second round, or if they just by happenstance, um, you know, knock off NC State and get back to the Sweet or 16. Or maybe they end up playing Georgia, who lost by 26 at home to Duke as a four, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how differently we end up viewing that season, because I think, I mean, they were right on that border anyway of, you know, maybe being one of the 16 best teams, maybe not. Um, they were still the second best team in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten got better. Um, the Big Ten is now what entirely out of the tournament. Yeah, they're out. So, they're out. what does that say? That Not the tournament is a crapshoot. Well, that's that's always true, but I always find it amusing when that happens in the Big Ten. It's not been a great women's basketball conference outside of Maryland recently. It's entirely done before the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, well, Ohio State's just had like ten years in a row or something crazy of just not quite reaching its potential. Well, certainly that team. I mean, the way they lost to Central Michigan, that was crazy. Yep. Especially, I mean, with, with Kelsey Mitchell in her senior year and all that. Absolutely. I mean, that this was, was always the up year for Ohio State and always kind of the down year for Maryland. So it made sense that Ohio State would knock off Maryland for the Big Ten title. And that is what happened. Still, they both I imagine as far the, as each other. Yeah, I imagine the tides will turn the other way next year. So what does Maryland have coming back next year, and how does the roster look? Because obviously this year they were thin. Already they were thin because of the transfers and everything that happened. Eliana Kristinaki doesn't join the team until the end of December, beginning of January. Then Blair Watson goes down. Uh, but what's this team looking like roster-wise going forward into next season? So I guess we could just go positionally. Um, Why not? Shanice Lewis. Yeah, Shanice Lewis uh, was the freshman point guard starter. Um, I imagine she'll hang on to that, probably make a, a bit of a leap sophomore year. She wasn't much of a scorer this year. Maybe you'll see more of that. Um, sort of in the backcourt after that, we have if, if Watson – I don't know if Watson will be back by the start of the season, but she should be back at least by conference play, um, depending on how her rehab goes. Eliana Kristinaki will be back for the whole season. So – you know, some some combination of those two and maybe Taylor Mikesell, uh, the scoring freshman that they have coming in. Um, and then you'll probably have Kyla Charles and then, you know, a front court that's going to feature Shakira Austin, the number three player in the country, best recruit Brent Freeze has ever landed. Um, it, it's hard to, like, project her to be Maryland's best player, but it's completely possible that she is like immediately she's got that kind of game apparently so um that plus uh brianna fraser in her senior year um stephanie jones olivia owens another freshman so i mean that that's a more just a much more loaded roster than maryland had the benefit of this year it's balanced and it's deeper and uh justin what do you think about the roster next year and vis-a-vis where maryland finishes potentially in the Big Ten because they were in the final again, and that was in Ohio State's best possible year, and they're going to lose Kelsey Mitchell. And the Big Ten is getting better, but Maryland, just looking at the roster and how they usually fare in conference, they should be, I guess, considered the favorites again, right? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if they are not listed as the favorites for next year. Even though we said they're down year, there was still talent. Now you get a deeper roster. You add another shooter in Mike, so you add two post players in Austin and Owens, who even if, you know, they're not incredible freshmen, it's going to be better because, you know, if Jones and Frazier get into foul trouble, they can step up and 
play some minutes. And I think the big key, though, for them is if they can try to play inside out when Watson comes back. I think she had her surgery in early February. So you put it November, that's nine months. That's a little, that could be rushing it a little, depending on, you know, how she rehabs the ACL. And I think for that, her being back at the beginning would be huge because the only real, unless, you know, Shanice Lewis gets more confident in her three, if Kyla Charles develops a three, the only real shooter you have on the roster is Mikesell, Taylor Mikesell. And it's a lot, even if she is this great shooter coming in, to ask of a freshman to be, you know, the main shooting threat in an offense, the main three-point shooter. So I think that will be key because that could really open some things up if you get lineups with Watson and Mike Sol on the floor. But I think in the conference should be the favorites in the Big Ten. I think Iowa, who has an absolute beast of a post player, Megan Gustafson, some solid guards, they'll be good. Minnesota, they lose Carly Wagner, who can score, but they welcome back the Big Ten freshman of the year. Another really solid point guard, they have Kanisha Bell and another good three-point shooter. Nebraska, even though they're not talented, they'll hang around. I see... Still see no reason why Maryland should not be the favorite. Uh, na- nationwide, I don't think they're ready to you know, go in that tier of contending for a national championship next year. I think they'll be a top 10 team capable of making a deep run, but I don't, I, think, I don't think they'll be able to contend or be one of the teams people think will contend for a title next year. That might be the season after because they have an yeah, insane think- recruiting class for 2019. Yeah, that class is good, and I think, yeah, definitely two years from now. I mean, Thomas and I won't be here, but that team, I think when you have Charles Jones and Watson as seniors and the glut of wing players they have coming in, that could be a really, really good year. Not saying next year won't be, but that's kind of the one I think if you're a Maryland fan, you should aim towards if this is where, you know, we get back into the true elite, you know, this team potential could win. to beat UConn. What? Ah, potential to beat UConn. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I think next this year's UConn team, I'll be, I'll be surprised if they don't win the title next year. I mean, you lose Gabby Williams and Kia Nurse, but that could mean a six-six Azrae Stevens joins their starting lineup, as well as possibly Megan Walker, who's the number one recruit in twenty seventeen. They have two of the top five recruits from this year's class, and they have not picked up anyone for 2019 yet, but I have a feeling they'll make a splash losing uh, Katie Lou Samuelson and Nafisa Collier, who are two of the best players in the country and two of the main scorers on UConn, as well as Stevens, who also graduates. So two years from now, UConn could not be as good, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Gino Ariam up there gets the ball rolling and just keeps bringing in the studs like he does. I wouldn't be surprised with that. But, I mean, the whole, the whole women's tournament, I mean, the men's tournament's normally crazy. I think we have to expect that now. The women's tournament doesn't have the kind of upsets that it has. The 211s, two MAC teams in the Sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah. And you surprised by that? I, yeah, I mean, I definitely was. You don't usually see that type of parity in the women's bracket. I remember because I drove, we drove back, from Raleigh Sunday, so I missed some of the men's craziness. I got back to my house about an hour north of College Park and saw some of the night cap of the women's game. And the Central Michigan game, the way they played was very reminiscent of the way Maryland just, you know, kicked the crap out of Ohio State. Ohio State did not close out well in threes against Maryland, didn't do it against Central Michigan, who just kept shooting and pushed. And I mean, eventually, you know, 
as good as Ohio State is on offense, you're not going to win giving up 95 points, and that's that's just what happened. I mean, Central Michigan won by about 17 on Ohio State's home floor, and, I mean, it's tough seeing someone as good as Kelsey Mitchell go out that way, but it it's kind of, you know, you play your worst game of the year at the worst time to do it, and I think that's what happened to Ohio State. And then Buffalo beating Florida State, the craziest part about that is now they're going to the Albany region, but I don't know because that's also the Yukon region. Are people who want to support Buffalo even going to be able to get tickets? Because if you're a Yukon fan, you probably could have bought tickets as soon as the season ended last year for this year's Sweet 16, basically knowing that's where they were going to end up. True, true. And I mean, Oregon State, with other former Maryland players, went into Tennessee and won. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's big because it's the first time anyone's beaten the team at Tennessee during the tournament. But, I mean, Oregon State was ranked for most of the year. I think it hurt them that, you know, their schedule wasn't as good, kind of like Maryland's was last year. So they maybe they were a little bit underseated. So it's surprising, but I don't think it's as big, nowhere as big as two eleven seeds making it. No, not in the, not in the, the women's game. So Maryland no. potentially looking really good in the future. In this women's tournament, if UConn doesn't win, we'll be surprised. Yes. That's the answer to that question. I mean, last year, the, the final four was unbelievably fun. But I don't know if that's going to happen this year because an angry UConn is, uh, well, it's, it's terrifying. Hell hath no fury like angry UConn women's basketball team. I think we should always remember that, but it's not really much of anything that's surprising. Let's go to lacrosse. Uh, Thomas, the uh, men rebounded after their loss to Albany, beating a team they lost to last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, sort of the reverse of it because they, they beat Albany pretty good last year and then lost to them this year. Um, Villanova last year was sort of an upset win in College Park. This was not. Um, it, it wouldn't have been because it was at Villanova. Villanova's a top-10 team now. But Maryland kind of controlled that game most of the way. Um, and I believe it's UNC up next, correct? Yeah, they're going to California for some event to play North Carolina. Well, it's a good time to get out west. Yeah. Certainly, although it's raining all there, I I see. Better than snow. This is true. It is better than snow. But at least Maryland plays North Carolina in one sport every year. Yeah. Good. Well, two sports if you count women's lacrosse. Well, yes, it's one sport and two genders. Well, and baseball played North Carolina – Yesterday yeah. as we're recording this, but uh, that didn't. Yes, that's true. Did they play? We, we don't talk about just, it. I don't they know play, if they played. I think they showed they up. They played something resembling baseball. Yes. Ah, okay, okay. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, women, Justin, uh, they destroyed Hopkins because unless they're playing North Carolina, it seems like they destroy everybody. Yeah. Johns Hopkins, yeah. to be fair, it's not quite, you know, Johns Hopkins and men's lacrosse. No, it's not. They have... I think two games this week. They play tomorrow against Penn. They were supposed to play today. Penn's a top 10 team. And then the big one is Saturday. They play James Madison, who's actually ranked ahead of them in one poll. So that could be a good game. It also wouldn't surprise me if Maryland just, even though they won't, will never tell you, just gets angry and just decides to crush them by 10 goals. I mean, I could see it going close. Or, you know, Maryland just decides we're actually not we should be ranked worse than them and just goes in and blows the doors off them at home. That seems like something that they would do. Yeah. That seems like something that you'd hear Kathy Reese say, we are ranked below them for some reason, prove them wrong. And then they just go out and destroy somebody. 
I mean, it's not like James Madison is bad by any stretch. They are undefeated. They did beat North Carolina, who Maryland lost to. So they could give them a fight. There's just something about that type of thing where the team ranked above them is not, you know, North Carolina or a power like that. It's James Madison, who does not demand the same respect yet that some other schools would in Maryland, you know, might try to put them back in their place. It certainly seems like something we've, it seems like something we would see as Maryland women's teams have done that. Uh, should we talk about baseball or what resembled baseball? Thomas, um, you, can, I, you can decide if you want to talk about that or not. I mean, there's, there's not much good to say at this point. I mean, they went down to East Carolina and just never really did anything right. Um, they've lost five in a row and really have only had a chance at one of those games. Um, and that was a game they were up 6 nothing, and lost 7-6. Um, it's, it, it's been one of those years where they haven't beaten a ton of teams that they weren't supposed to beat, but they've lost to a lot of the teams they were supposed to beat. Um, the offense just hasn't really gotten it going, and the pitching has been shaky all year. So there's still time to turn it around and it's I think it's reasonable to, I think it's reasonable to expect they 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 should um you know conference play hasn't even started yet but yeah they're not they're not exactly in stride right now well there's still plenty of time the regular season doesn't end till what early may <laughs> then you got a big 10 tournament they got a ways to go but you would think they'll be fine but it is the kind of a transition season of course after John Sheff left so I don't know if it's too surprising that they're struggling but it's certainly not good to see them struggling. And softball has done – oh, they went to Hawaii. I wish I was in Hawaii right now. Yeah, it would be uh, – Yeah. would be nicer than this. My family is going to Hawaii next week. Of course, I'll be back in school. Oh, for – Which is – Isn't that the worst? My that's cruel. I mean – I was here. That, I mean, that's cruel. But, like, at the same time, I have been to Hawaii before, so it doesn't sting as much. Oh, okay. Um yeah, but yeah, it, it is a little it is a little sad. Speaking of the the softball team in Hawaii, though, that's the original. They actually player. won some games. They did. That's good. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole story of the season is that you know those two pitchers they got, uh, Sydney Golden transfer, um, Denhart, Ryan Denhart, the freshman. They've both just been money all year, and if Maryland can ever you know has a game where they can hit a little bit. You know they should win. Um, they just haven't had a lot of those games. Do we have to have a good rhyme uh, for those two pitchers, like "spawn insane" followed by "rain"? Or, or well, not even because because in softball you kind of just can throw two pitchers out there and then just like rely on them heavily. You can just go back to them because uh, okay. it, it's not like baseball where you have a five-man rotation and you just have. Or, Three or, days where you're just like, oh, no. In the case of certain teams this year. Yep. <laughs> that was amusing. Can't believe baseball season's starting soon. I don't really want it to. Because It kind of snuck up on me. Oh, it snuck up on me, too, because the baseball team that I root for is bad, and all the players are often injured. And the <laughs> most hyped player in preseason is a player that should not be playing baseball and is a star on the SEC network talking about another sport. Ahem. <laughs> Anyway, let's go to Bracket Chaos, because we should talk about the Testudotrax Bracket Challenge, where I don't know if anybody's even, like, possibly alive at this point. Well, we got a couple of people with 40 
five points. Adam Cordell and Phil are the names we see. Uh, but uh, poor Adam Cordell, his majestic bracket only has 69 possible points left because he lost three of his final four already. The only one he still has left is Purdue, which is something. And other people, I mean, some are doing okay. The player who also has uh, uh, 45 points had Houston in the final four. Sorry about the way that ended. They took the entirety of the first round in that region, right? Uh, I do not know where I am. I have to check on this. Uh, but I don't think anybody survived unscathed this past weekend. No, I mean, I honestly haven't even looked at any You're bracket stuff. You're tied 107th, Thomas, as I see it right now. Out of 130? Excellent. Out of 130, yes. The only, there are only a few people below you, and most of them didn't actually pick a bracket. Yes, you see, what had happened was, <laughs> when I was when I was filling this out, I just kind of kept going through, well, they're not going to stop DeAndre Ayton. And I think we all kind of did that because I had Arizona in the title game too, full stop. I have mm. to... yeah, well, I, I, did not. I had him winning it, and so that, that was rough. That was not Because that was really the only upset that I, that hurt anybody on the first day was, yeah, was Arizona. Arizona. And I, you know. And then, well, that was before UMBC. But if you had Arizona, you didn't have Virginia. So it was one of the two was going to hurt you. Yeah. Uh, Justin, where are you in this? Because I don't know where I, you are. I did not fill out a bracket for the Testudo Times oh, bracket. No. I was busy. I filled out it on my, you know, we have our family pool, and I'm I'm toast. I had Virginia and Michigan State in the title. That didn't work. But I don't know if that's as bad or is it more impressive that I actually picked the Loyola-Chicago-Nevada Sweet 16 matchups. Oh, I don't – I think that's fairly impressive. It's not going to get you any cred back, but – No, I mean, it's not. Loyola-Chicago in the Sweet 16, as I tweeted after Loyola won, I'm like, is it an upset if everybody had it? Because everybody had that. I, yeah, I know many but... people who didn't have that. As I had no bad. As an 11, I'm like, all right, there's your double-digit seed in the Sweet 16, guaranteed. I had Nevada. They're like the everyman's team. They don't start anyone over 6'6". Six, six. How can you not pick them to well, go they for? they only play six players. Yeah. I mean, they've had injuries, too. I read today about yes. it. But... Uh, okay, uh, which of the, of the Skyline Chili, we're crying in our Skyline Chili derby, uh, had a worse collapse, Cincinnati or Xavier? Because both were entirely inexplicable. Uh... I didn't really see either, but I'm going to say if you blow a 22-point lead with 11 minutes left, that's, um, I don't even know if Maryland could do that. I know the 0-1 final four, they blew a big first half. Where that happened, so it is certainly possible. They blew a big first half lead, but not, and then Illinois this year, that was over like a whole half, not. Yeah, that was over a whole half, not exactly the whole thing. I mean, it was bad. It was very bad, Thomas. Which was worse. I think Xavier yeah, is underrated. Cincinnati's the worst collapse of the tournament. Well, Z- Xavier's sneaky bad, too, because they were in control the entire game until they weren't, and then they lost. Like, I had no... I mean, there were points where that game was close, but I never thought, all right, Xavier's going to screw this up. You know, I mean, I know that no one really likes Xavier, but that loss was inexplicable, too. And it kind of snuck in under the radar because Cincinnati's collapse was so much worse, I guess. Well, there's your answer. But, I mean, I guess yeah, in theory, I mean, we can't, but... Yeah, I mean, it's not like we can forget about Xavier being, you know, knocked out in the f- first weekend as a one seed. Well... It, Which, by the yeah. way, like, there's a whole side of the bracket where, like, the best, the, the highest-seeded team is a three seed. Yeah. And yeah. then there's a four and a five 
and then the and highest then like a seven the highest and well, anyway one of those teams is going to play for a national title and yep. it's crazy well i don't think like i mean again kentucky's not exactly horrible but i mean this is not a vintage kentucky team and i had gonzaga and michigan in the elite eight so it's not as if some people didn't see that coming north yeah carolina i mean i had that matchup too was, but still north north carolina was a bit overseeded i think that but the way they lost that game i mean was that just, was hilarious yeah. that was funny I was texting a buddy of mine who went to UNC, and I said, I, I know this is not you as they cut to all the shots of the butt-hurt North Carolina fans, but it's really entertaining to watch them basically watch their team get blown out in a home game. Because that's also, what that I, was. I just want to bring up, can you imagine, you know, that Charlotte region had Virginia and North Carolina that site. Can you imagine just being there and not, like, being a fan of those teams, thinking this is going to be an easy weekend, and then, you know, Virginia, you're you're selling your tickets after the first day, and then North Carolina, you just watch your team that I thought could make a deep run, just not hit any shots, just get run off the floor by a team that was inconsistent all year. This is true, but, I mean, at that point, you had UMBC, and unless, yeah. unless you were the most bitter of Virginia fans, and I can understand if you weren't going to want to root for UMBC and you rooted for Virginia, but if you're anybody else... You're staying there to watch UMBC. Yeah. I mean, that that gym was packed to watch UMBC. So, I mean, I still wouldn't have been that sad because, I mean, you've got it, the ticket stub thing where you hold the ticket stubs for all your games. Like, that's one you might frame to say, I was there when a 16 beat a 1 for a first time. You know, that, that sort of thing. Right? Yeah. That's absolutely what you could see happening. So, uh, otherwise, I mean, in the bracket... I'm 45th. I still somehow have Villanova and Kansas alive because for whatever reason, I decided that I wasn't going to have the Izzo and March thing work. Uh, final thing on the bracket before we get to some quick men's basketball uh, news and notes. Uh, it, it continues every year like clockwork. The bracket can be totally destroyed, but inexplicably bad Syracuse teams getting to the Sweet 16. This is a thing that sadly always happens, Thomas, and it's really annoying. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a weird little thing. Um, they play anti-basketball. I know we've already said that because of the 2-3 zone, and we've dealt with it for years. I mean, Maryland, I mean, again, every time that Syracuse or a team like St. Bonaventure does well, I was like, wait a minute. Maryland, if they had just beaten them, would have probably made the Sweet Six, or made the tournament at the very least. But uh, regardless of that, just inexplicably, they get to the Sweet 16 again by playing anti-basketball and then just having Michigan State not be able to shoot threes. It's crazy. Now we have a zone versus zone Sweet 16 matchup. It's oh, going to be awful. It's going to be painful on the eyes to watch that. Cause... I mean, Syracuse Duke is one of those games. Like, I wouldn't seek out if it, you know it was a random ACC uh -huh. game on the Wednesday night. Like, I wouldn't even seek that out. And now it's a Sweet I'd be like, game. What's the, I'll the watch other game it if going on at that better. time? I think is what Purdue and Texas Tech. I think. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it is. yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I'll be watching that game. I'll just watch whichever one's closer. That's my go-to. I'll watch Purdue Texas Tech to watch future Maryland coach Chris Beard. Mm. Dun -dun -dun. I don't. Yeah, he's. I think he's too tied to Texas to ever really go out. Of... Well, the Maryland hired their last coach from Texas A&M. Yeah. So I. I'm, yeah. I guess as we as we sit here thinking about this and hearing the coaching rumors, the ones that Chris Mack might be going to Louisville, which is crazy. Dan Hurley linked with both UConn and Pitt. You know, you start to think, well, what happens if Maryland is bad next year and Mark Turgeon gets canned? The other part of the great fun on Friday night was me joking that the next team to win the national title 
from the Big Ten will be Maryland coached by Ryan Odom, which is obviously facetious. But, I mean, the way that the Big Ten plays in the tournament, it seems eminently plausible. Yeah. Got to be somebody, right? So, uh, speaking of men's basketball quickies, uh, there's been, I mean, Maryland's involved in the grad transfer market, as you would always assume they have been. Sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, of course. Uh, Thomas, you want to give us any quick hits on what Maryland has been linked to recently? Um, yeah, sure. There's uh, the Tariq Owens um, situation. He is going to, he has requested his release from St. John's. Um, he's a Maryland native. It's like, a pretty obvious fit to be determined if that's how it actually works out. Um, but he was one of the best shot blockers in the country this year. Uh, he's a center. If Maryland happens to lose its center, and even if it doesn't, it kind of needs another one. Um, so that would be a homecoming and ne- needed depth at, you know, at that spot. So it's it's obviously far from, like, set in stone but it's definitely a real name to keep an eye on yes and a shot blocker maryland doesn't i mean Devonte dot was kind of a shot blocker but they didn't really have major shot blockers on the team that would add a little bit of different kind of depth in the front court and suddenly they have depth there with herod and herard or however you pronounce it i'll get used to it eventually and bruno if he stays uh there's also what there was also some draft things you posted in the maryland minute or someone posted in the Maryland Minute. I never check on the authors. I should do better at that. Uh, about where Maryland players are potentially ranked in terms of draft prospects. That was interesting. Reading in that. Yeah, article. that was that was Lamar. Um, good on Lamar then. Yeah, good on him. Uh, Testudo Times it, is a family. So it, it, it is interesting it. to to hear about Kevin Herter in that context because I haven't, you know. He Just was all the year name you think of about all this. the four big players that you think could get draft mentions. I would not have assumed Herder would have been viewed number one by anybody. But maybe in the modern NBA, because of the way he shoots and his size, it makes sense. Well, I mean, SI did its top 50 and had Herder at 50th. Um, that still I, would be kind of risky to go into the draft, though. No, I don't think he yeah. would. But I mean, this you know, year's I mean, draft is so insanely deep that even for a player like Justin Jackson, who was getting first-round love coming into the year, I mean, even Bruno Fernando, who has all the raw talent in the world, but his position and the way he plays is kind of out of vogue at the moment, I don't know how many players leave. Now, I expect multiple to say we're going to start the draft process and we're going to see what happens at the Combine, but beyond that, I don't know how many actually will leave. I mean, just you look at the mock drafts in the top 10 this year, it's absolutely crazy, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's. I would expect probably Fernando Jackson to declare without an agent, and then we'll see what happens from there. Um, I've heard mixed things on both guys. Um, well, as we I say, haven't if heard. They all come back. I haven't heard anything indicating that Herder could. I haven't. I haven't heard anything indicating Herder's thinking about leaving. Um, doesn't mean he isn't. But. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit if, out of left field when I saw that. I mean, I've I've heard a li- like I've heard some people say that he could be a good pro, but I don't think anyone thought this was his year to do that. It might be next year. Maybe. It's certainly possible. I mean, he has that skill set that's very unique that you think some smart NBA team would covet. 
you know, he wouldn't be like the obvious great prospect, but then some smart team drafts him late and then everyone goes, oh, wow, why did we not do that? He's going to be the smart yeah, player. What was so that? much Chandler Parsons and Jake Lehman in Kevin Herter. Oh, geez. <laughs> that, that, don't, don't, don't be mean to them like that. That's not, that's not nice. I mean, I mean, Jake Lehman's not Kevin Herter, but, I mean, Chandler Parsons, that's, that's just kind of rude. Don't, don't do that again. Well, well, we'll certainly be covering the draft process and how it all goes. I don't expect to hear news on that for a while at the very least, until at least April. The combine's not until the middle end of May, so there's a long time for that process to emerge. Do we miss anything? I don't think so. I think we got everything. So uh, there was all sorts of fun going on over the weekend. Enjoy. If your bracket is busted, just enjoy it because the tournament is still fun. And you can root against Duke or Syracuse and then root against them when they inevitably take Kansas. But I also love this year in the brackets that in the year that a 16 beats a 1 and you had two random 13s beat pretty decent 4s in Arizona and Wichita State, no 12 beat a 5. I find that amusing. It's always something. There is always something, and I was rooting like heck for the Jackrabbits to beat Ohio State. That, that but, broke my perfect that broke my perfect bracket on Thursday. I don't understand how you uh, foul a guy on two straight three-point shots. That was but also inexplicable. Watch. That was horrible from South Dakota State. They had come back to get close, and then you foul two straight three-pointers. There's been a lot of fouling of three-pointers in this NCAA tournament. Have you noticed that? A little. Probably even went uncalled. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jordan Poole's winner. Yeah, that was yeah, that was uncalled. <laughs> and he made it anyway, so it didn't matter. Oh, by yeah. the way, last last word on that. I knew when Kelvin Sampson did not put a man on the inbound for Michigan, <laughs> it was over. Because I said, I saw this before. I've seen this movie before, and Maryland lost on it. How did somebody not say that and say, yes, we're going to not put a man on the inbound again for this team that runs these plays in practice? Okay, underrated dumbest decision of the tournament there. You take what got you there, and I guess if you don't guard the inbound, I don't know. I mean, and then you see Jim Beheim fouling the three-point shooter all, or fouling before Michigan State could get a three-point shot away. I mean, jeez. Levels of bad coaching in this tournament. I and mean, Kelvin Sampson's not a bad coach, but put a guy on the inbounds, everybody. Mark Turgeon approved. Okay, we will be back with you at some point in the future to talk more about Maryland Spring Sports. And hopefully it won't be snowing in April by the next time we do this podcast. It might not be April by the time we do our next show. Hopefully it will not be snowing then, too. I hope you all enjoyed this show. If you're in Maryland and you're on spring break, enjoy it, because you're probably in a place where there isn't snow, and we are, which is terrible. But until then, of course, no turns.